You're listening to the Armchair Cricket Podcast. Hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Armchair Cricket Podcast, a podcast focusing on test cricket by armchair critics of the game. As the world is trying to recover from coronavirus, uh, we continue doing our uh, podcast. Let me welcome Ajit, my co-host. I'm Giri. How are you doing, Ajit? I'm doing all right. How are you? I'm fine. It was finally good to see you in person last Friday. Yeah. Right? So, and we we did follow the social distancing guidelines. So, even though I met you in person, I was one and a half meters away from you. Do you think? Right. Yeah, I think we stayed comfortably four to five feet apart at all times. So, uh, well, I think we saw each other maybe in about five months, four and a half months or so. Do you think? I guess so. No, a little bit more than five from what we calculated. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was a nice thing. And how are you doing otherwise? No, otherwise things are good. It was a interesting couple of days work and otherwise. So yeah, as I as they say, a couple of moving days for me. So, yeah, I mean, apart from that, uh, well, I'm glad, as I keep mentioning, I'm glad for the, let's say, the hectic nature of work at this point in time. So, uh, a bit something to be thankful for indeed. But I guess you're still missing the cricket season, which would have been in uh, flow now, by now, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Now, we would have played a couple of uh, couple of matches for sure already. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we'll be missing this. But as I say, it's better than the alternative, I'm sure. But how are you coping in general, your cricket club and all? Uh, does KNCB support you uh, in these times uh, in in terms of uh, funding and all that? Because I guess you have some bills to pay, right? Because you rent the, uh, what is it called, the clubhouse or something like that at the stadium. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. I mean, do you get some kind of support from the KNCB, the Dutch cricket board? Uh, not yet, but there are a couple of seminars organized by them in the upcoming weeks. And when we go speak to them, I think we'll get to know a bit more. All of these are online, of course. But uh, I think they have, they have some open uh, question-answer sessions where uh, we will be, I think, let's say, pushing a little bit from our side. And when I say we, it's not just my club. Mm-hmm. So there are plenty of other clubs as well who face a similar situation because mostly the club scene here is full of volunteers, uh, people who want to play cricket. And okay. the moment you say there is no organized cricket or organized leagues, uh, let's say the motivation also dies down accordingly. So, just because the motivation is gone, that doesn't mean our uh, fixed costs go away as well. Yeah. Right? Based on our commitments with wherever we play and yeah. other things like equipment and clothing and other things. Yeah. So, it's it's not an easy thing to, you know, go through. But, well, I mean, I spoke to somebody from KNCB last week and uh, they did give me some hints as to which way KNCB might be swinging. There might not be help coming through, but at least they may reduce some of the costs that they would normally, you know, impose on the clubs. So um, maybe there is a little bit of, um, let's say, some some of the costs that we would normally have to bear, we might be exempt from this year. So the details will become clear in the upcoming couple of weeks, Kiri. Uh, but I think it's also a bit of a challenge to keep everybody uh, informed, right? And people uh, are, I guess, not so motivated uh, to contribute financially mm-hmm. themselves, mm-hmm. Uh, what they're yeah. bound to pay as a member of the club. So I hope you get uh, all the resources that you need to keep the club going. Uh, and I hope that 
anyway cricket resumes if not in the near future at least for next season uh, and on a competitive level so wish you luck with that indeed so thanks for your good wishes i think we'll need them considering how the season is going all right so if you look at some of the yeah covid 19 related cricket news so bcb development coach ashikul has tested positive for covid 19 right so ashikul rahman who basically was tested on uh, may 12th said that he has uh, contracted the disease and he is now recovering he was a former under 19 pacer who well played the under 19 world cup from uh, bangladesh but then could not crack it at the highest level but then he is now uh, an assistant coach with the prime bank in the dhaka premier league and it it's a bit of a concern but given that a lot of social distancing is happening in every part of the world probably he contracted it uh, and uh, he has not had a chance to pass it on to other cricketers or other people in the cricketing circles i hope kiri i hope so or he should be honest about who he came in contact with mm-hmm. uh, right so that is also very important so that the the infection doesn't spread but we wish him well nonetheless yeah indeed so we'll have to see that uh, this is a responsibility for everybody i think in our society and even cricketers or cricketing staff are not exempt from such a thing kiri absolutely uh, and now that we heard uh, a country like india is going to relax its uh, rules or guidelines um, i guess it's going to happen very soon or probably already started this week uh, so there is less restriction now there is people are allowed to move around a bit more although people are advised to work from home as much as they can if their job, job allows it just like netherlands mm-hmm. um, so it remains to be seen because what happens with this virus is i mean from what if, what we have seen so far it takes a couple mm-hmm. of weeks uh for the actual numbers uh, to stock up right so if you get infected now you will only show the symptoms two weeks later and now right. that the the rules have been relaxed uh people might you know get in touch with each other a bit more come closer physically and that might pose a risk it remains to be seen now I mean, we, we cannot always uh, remain in a lockdown situation forever because it's going to have such a huge Im- impact on the economy so uh, i think we have to continuously see what happens uh, follow these events closely and i hope people are responsible enough to uh, follow and also respect the guidelines i think so yeah yeah i mean look considering how long this has already gone on i think most people are already very aware and also look it's if we are not in a short term situation here we have to be careful at least until the end of this year if not longer so most people are i think aware and they are going to cooperate and they are going to be very careful about it right uh moving on if you were to now look at the next story well women's world cup qualifiers which was slated to be held in july in sri lanka have been postponed so this is also you know another um let's say world uh, stage tournament or a world stage tournament in a qualifier which is supposed to happen between july 3rd and 19th in sri lanka right so icc has announced that this will be postponed it was going to be a 10 team event and it would have been logistically a very tough thing to achieve given the social restrictions and distancing that is required so i think it's the most uh, obvious of uh, decisions to take here yeah i think it's a no brainer at the moment uh, i don't see any cricket happening until probably august or september if at all uh, doesn't surprise me although there are there is some news contrary to this so for example yeah. the uh, i guess we'll come to that in a bit um, england and west indies uh, series i think we should pick it up right away because it makes sense you know england i have 
you know, started training again under certain very strict guidelines, of course, COVID under 19, COVID-19 guidelines, sorry. And um, so there is a chance that West Indies might come to tour. And whereas England seemed very bullish about it, WICB, the West Indies Cricket Board seems a bit uh, cagey, right? They are not yet ready to say uh, certainly or with any certainty that they will come to the UK, right? So this this looks like at least English cricketers were itching to get out there and start training and they'd be very happy, Kiri. What happens here in England will probably set the precedent uh, everywhere else, I would say. If this right. tour, West Indies-England series, does happen to some extent, to whatever extent it is, I think more uh, cricketing boards will uh, uh, follow suit. Uh, but I think everybody will be cautious. Uh, and like you said, West Indies have not fully committed themselves. Uh, but I think England may be able to convince them. That we need to see some sort of cricket. I think we've spoken about this some time ago, uh, about holding um, cricket matches in front of empty stadiums, uh, no crowds, just television audience and all that. The facility part, you know, the, the logistics part, people working behind the scenes to make such events happen, you know, they will have some risk. They will be exposed to some risk, right? So I think that is inevitable. And if they've considered all these risks and uh, taken these things to account, into account and then come up with a, a mitigation plan of some sort, maybe it can go ahead. Uh, but if you think about when the IPL was supposed to start, end of March or something like that, uh, we weren't ready yet. I think the numbers were still mm-hmm. growing and the healthcare infrastructure was not ready all over the world. But we have basically bought some time uh, through these lockdown measures in almost every country in the world. And now we have a fair idea about how to react when uh, there is an infection and uh, all such kinds of things. So I think I'm I'm going to be keeping my eyes open for this. I think this is very critical. If this tour does indeed go through, uh, then it will be very good news for all of us cricketing fans, cricket fans, uh, and probably more cricket will follow, which brings me to uh, IPL, of course. Do you think mm-hmm. IPL will actually happen this year? That's an interesting point. I would not entirely rule it out, but uh, certain things have to still occur for IPL to happen. One of the things being a possible postponement of the World T20 tournament to maybe 2021, Kiri. You think that can happen because that's in Australia, right? Uh, and that's probably October or uh, October of this year. Uh, so what you are potentially, you, what you are saying is IPL could potentially replace that tournament or that window uh, in the month Indeed. of October. Uh, how much is it worth? I think I, I, you, you were saying offline that IPL is worth something like half a million euros or something like that. No, no, a little bit more than that, five hundred million euros. Oh, uh, did I say half a million? I should have said half a billion. That's a hell lot of money. And how much is this uh, World T20 uh, Championships worth? Uh, do you think it's more than that? Potentially, yes. I mean. If you put what every board would earn, right? So that's probably close to the same amount. But this IPL is what BCCA would earn. And I remember reading somewhere else, they had given sort of a breakdown of legal versus illegal. Mm. How much money would change hands during a given IPL season. And they had made some predictions based on the previous numbers known. And uh, if you include every possible avenue where money would change hands or checks would be changing hands or electronic transfers would be changing hands. In any case, that would amount to more than a billion. That's what the net worth of an IPL season is considered to be these days. I'm still not sure. And I I really hope that World T20 Championships are played instead of IPL. 
although i know it's it's uh, ipl is probably more entertaining uh, but i think we we miss international cricket in general and uh, that would be really nice to see well i mean for me an icc tournament a multi format multi team tournament right of any format would always be more entertaining than an ipl because uh, during an ipl i'm effectively asleep during the first 3 weeks as a fan right i only wake up once uh, there are about 4 to 5 league matches left in the knockouts and the finals are something like this right so with this in mind on the other hand any icc tournament would probably mean i'm awake right through it as a fan so and if you remember previously when such a tournament happened we did a daily <laughs> digest kire so it's it's a big update as far as i am concerned uh, as a fan cricket fan so um look if you were to discuss uh, what would be the things required it would probably be a two week um, quarantine for all the teams arriving in australia at the outset right and that's where you would begin let's say so when you when you think about it uh, it's not going to be an easy task but i think i think if icc puts it mind uh, puts its mind to it and uh, i think most of the boards can be convinced on the other hand uh, if one or two of the member boards sort of show a bit of hesitation bcci being the behemoth it is can push through and ensure that the world cup is postponed but that window is used for ipl maybe a shortened ipl right definitely ipl is a longer tournament than ipl than a world t20 tournament so yeah i mean these are all considerations but i think we have a couple of very interesting ones coming up because all of these decisions would have to be made now because if teams have to arrive in australia sit in for a two week quarantine and then start training and stuff like that or then start playing matches you know the warm up matches in a closed uh, stadium situation yeah. i think that's a lot of logistics to arrange yeah that's true uh, and uh, if we do start playing cricket whether it's in england or whether it's in australia later this year we do have one topic that will come up over and over again uh, that's about you know maintaining or taking care of the ball right the cricket ball using saliva and what not and we had this discussion earlier uh, in our previous episode uh, and apparently there is some news coming uh, from the icc uh, can you explain a little bit well the icc cricket committee which is led by a certain anil kumble right has come up with a few suggestions or a few recommendations so the top most on this is to ban the usage of saliva for shining the cricket ball right this is a practice that's been prevalent in cricket since cricket began but given the conditions that are currently prevalent and how rampant covid-19 has been i think this is a very uh, prudent step to take let me put it like this okay. right this is the first of the recommendation the second recommendation they are making is that uh, maybe non neutral umpires can be used in all international games for upcoming period not forever but considering that even umpires would have to come in from outside then undergo a quarantine and then only be able to umpire it makes sense if we start using non neutral umpires or local umpires where possible of course icc qualified and elite panel umpires right so uh, only those should be used but if there were indeed no elite panel match officials available for a given country then best local international panel match officials those that have actually gone on to officiate in t20s and odis for example could be used right that's a recommendation there so the third of these recommendation indeed is a very interesting one so they have recommended that there be an additional drs referral for all three formats per innings so for all three formats of the game there be an additional DS, drs referral per inning and this is based on probably an interim basis not as a permanent replacement right 
So these are all the recommendations that will be placed in front of the ICC board when they meet on May 28th. And I think they all three are expected to be ratified as things stand. At least the first one where no saliva to be used, I think it makes sense with the current climate. The second two are, or the second and the third are a little bit um, tricky, but uh, based on what we read, it could very well be also approved, Giri. Yeah, I mean, I I think I spoke at length in our pre- previous episode about uh, not being able to use saliva, which is a key part of cricket in my opinion. Uh, but the situation is different right now. We are living in very, very difficult times. So we have to adapt uh, like we are doing everywhere else. And cricket should adapt. So I think it's a very pragmatic move. I'm sure it will, it will be ratified, like you said. Uh, but the other things we'll see what happens uh, after the... Uh, the meeting or the virtual meeting. Normally, it would be held in Dubai, right? ICC headquarters, but now there is a virtual meeting again. So, we'll see. Indeed. So, moving on. Well, we have the next episode of Gail's rant on Sarvan that's come through. So, in this case, um, it looks like uh, Gail has gotten away without any censure, at least from the cricket committee of uh, the CPL. Right, Giri? Did you follow this news story at all? It's not much. Uh, it's not much news for me. Uh, I already told you. It's it's too much is being made out of this, and uh, <laughs> it, mm. it should have probably been uh, taken care of uh, uh, already earlier. And I think these guys will eventually move on. Um, it's just a matter of time. People are just keeping themselves busy with some <laughs> trivial bit of news so that they have something to talk about. And mm-hmm. as I see the end of it, so it should not be pursued any further, in my opinion. But when, when we talk about Gale, uh, just uh, thinking about IPL again, I remember mm-hmm. you mentioning uh, about somebody who played IPL uh, many years ago and mm-hmm. who, is, who happens to be one of the frontline warriors against uh, COVID-19. Uh, what's his name? I forgot his name. Daniel Harris. So thanks for bringing this up. So in our COVID warriors section, if I may call this, we usually visit one person who's been associated with cricket but now is on the frontier so to say fighting the covid disease so in today's episode we will quickly discuss about daniel harris he's a very famous cricketer if uh, i can say that in as much that he has played um, quite a lot of cricket so he's a journeyman cricketer who i think just missed out on international honors so he was an opener a left-handed opener a gritty one from western australia a right-handed one i'm sorry and um, well he got uh, to play also IPL, right? He's played in UK in the county championships as well as, you know, um, he's, he's gotten a lot of, uh, let's say, opportunities also at the Australian cricket in terms of also like, you know, board president's 11 and these sort of uh, 11s. So now he's uh, in the Royal Adelaide Emergency Hospital as a physician and a surgeon, right? So he's a trained doctor. So he chose to complete his... Uh, let's say doctor's degree or MBBS as they call it. And he qualified as a doctor. And now that his cricketing career is over, this in itself is a very refreshing story. A very successful cricketer, as is in his case, returning to uh, normal air quotes profession, like going back to being a doctor. Now that he's had the chance, he's actually gone back and, uh, you know, he's now right on the front line. So we would like to thank uh, Daniel Harris for his wonderful uh, efforts. And we hope, you know, he continues to fight as one of the frontline warriors against COVID-19. Okay. Yeah, so another very good story there. Just like the one we had in the previous episode about the South African... Uh, Yusuf Abdullah. Yusuf Abdullah, indeed. Just like uh, him. So very well done to Daniel Harris. 
Now, uh, in other interesting news, looks like Afridi, Shahid Afridi, has offered to buy Mushfiqur Rahim's bat for a reasonable sum. It's uh, $20,000 US dollars. So basically, what has happened is, because of a lot of fake bids, they had stopped auctioning uh, Mushfiqur Rahim's bat because if you remember, Mushfiqur Rahim actually uh, auctioned his bat with which he scored a double hundred, right? So Shahid Afridi in a magnanimous gesture has come forward and actually offered to buy the bat. So, you know, sometimes in this sort of a climate, it's very, let's say it's very disheartening to see that people still come up with fake bids, even when it's being done for such a good cause, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, There were bids uh, as high as 50,000 US dollars, but then uh, they came to know these are all fake bidders. They had no intention of going through with the payment. So they had actually stopped the bidding process. But on May 13th, Afridi offered through reliable sources a uh, $20,000 US dollar bid, right? And the person who actually facilitated this was none other than uh, Tami Mitpal, right? So even he has got a bit of the credit there. And, um, you know, Shakib Alasan also actually uh, sold um, a, his own cricket memorabilia, his bat actually for US dollars 24000 the one he used in 2019 World Cup as well. So this is another very nice to hear story and a good gesture from one cricketer towards another and towards another nation. So that's a wonderful, uh, you know, as you say, a good way to pass on the, you know, the positive vibes, Kiri. Yeah, yeah, I I have to say, this is a really nice gesture. Uh, just like Shane wanted with his baggy green for the bushfire, bushfire relief, remember earlier this year. Indeed. I think Shane wants a uh, cap pitch something like 1 million Australian dollars, something like that. Indeed. I think it topped a million. Indeed. Yeah. yeah, indeed. Well, we do hear of cricketers contributing from the Asian subcontinent to the corresponding, you know, local uh, health organizations, for example, and so on. But all in all, you know, it's nice to see cricketers standing up and doing this, uh, taking care and keeping in mind that they might very well be superstars, but they are only superstars because of all the people around them. And, you know, doing their bit to give it back to the community. That's very nice to see. Moving on. Well, sticking to Pakistan cricket news, Babar Azam has been confirmed as the new Pakistan ODI captain. Right? So, this was not a completely unexpected elevation considering that he's already the T20 captain. So, he's now consolidating his, uh, you know, run as the limited overs captain. And he's 25. He's in the right, let's say, lights, right space in the last 15 months. He's really done really, really well. Right? Mm-hmm. And... Back then, I did feel maybe it was too early jumping the gun, appointing him as the captain of the T20 side. But considering how he has handled that specific, let's say, role, well, he didn't get too much of a chance. He he just got to captain one series against Sri Lanka, but that's still fine, right? And he has had a enough a long captaincy experience as well. He started in under-19 team in 2012 World Cup and so on, right? So basically, this is a very good thing. Uh, well, it, it poses a couple of other questions for sure, whether, um, you know, the door is uh, firmly closed on Sarfraz Ahmad's coming back to the squad and such. But I think we'll have to deal with them as and when things come because currently Pakistan are not really playing any uh, limited horse cricket. They haven't played any ODI since October 2019. And because of this ongoing coronavirus pandemic, if they were to actually even visit England, they wouldn't be playing ODIs there yet. So there's still plenty of things to discuss, I'm sure. So we don't know yet whether, you know, uh, when Pakistan will play their next ODI. But congratulations nonetheless to Babar Azam. And I think it's a it's a nice elevation given the, um, let's say, the success he's been uh, displaying. Yeah, he's their best batsman. Um, 
in this new era it could easily have been somebody like umar akmal <laughs> babarazam seems to have a better head on his shoulders uh, i'm pretty sure he's going to take uh, pakistan cricket forward in the right direction um, and i hope they become the the really gritty fighting unit that they were in the 80s and the 90s uh, we all like to see that we need a good pakistani cricket uh, team one day team especially and uh, yeah look forward to what happens under him yeah i we wish babar azam all the best in the same uh, let's say in the same related topic pakistan have released their uh, list of contracted players the central contracts that they offer for the 2020 and 2021 season so there have been a couple of downgrades there have been a couple of upgrades uh, the most uh, let's say the most surprising is that uh, well hasan ali has been left out wahab riyaz and mohammad amir have also been left out of the contracted players so if and when these three get to play for pakistan i think they'll get a per match fee rather than having a retainer from the contract so that was also something that uh, people were expecting i guess given that wahab riyaz and mohammad amir have both withdrawn themselves from playing uh, test match cricket for pakistan and uh, that that brought about a lot of disappointment from many quarters mainly ex players and critics as such right um, considering the time that was invested by pakistan cricket board in rehabilitating mohammad amir and ensuring he comes back to international cricket uh, some felt he did not pay them back in the same currency and he sort of left a lot to be desired and he has some other personal goals we discussed this in one of those um, episodes or we at least speculated that those could be nobody knows what his goals are of course uh, whether be it as a to succeed as a t20 mercenary or to actually you know uh, pursue some personal goals elsewhere we don't know but at least many people felt very upset on that kire yeah but i i don't know if he can ever become a mercenary t20 uh, mercenary cricketer like chris kale because he's a bowler and bowlers have a shorter shelf time or whatever they whatever they call it because bowlers are pro- more prone to injuries and i am not sure if he can keep playing at his best uh, when he enters his 30s he's probably very close to 30 i think now he's uh, 28 but yeah okay yeah he's still young enough maybe he has two three years of good cricket left in him if he keeps playing uh, at a competitive level yes wahab riyaz of course that's uh, probably an easier decision to make he's on the wrong side of 30 uh, in fact wrong side mm-hmm. of 35 he's just 35 i think yeah so he was yeah. still brisk but i don't think he had enough control they only brought him in uh for that one tournament in world cup or just preceding the world cup to add some experience to their bowling lineup uh and then what surprises me is um, that of hasan ali he was supposed to be their next star bowler somebody like akib javed um and uh, he was very talented he was doing well he was touted to be their main strike bowler one of their main strike bowlers in last year's world cup uh but apparently he has had to endure a lot of injuries and the recent one he has had on on his back seems to seems to be a severe one so he needs more time off the field in order to recover that's what i read uh mm-hmm. and because of this uh, i don't think he will play cricket f- for a few months uh this also may have been a factor in arriving at this uh, decision but i i do hope to see hasan ali back he is a very good talent um Uh, i would like to see him play again i mean i i like i'm totally biased uh fast bowlers you know that and uh, i hope that uh, he comes back with a bang uh but amir and uh, wahab riyaz yeah i think that was probably a foregone conclusion especially with amir 
I would like to counter your argument about uh, Mohammad Amir's career as a potential T20 mercenary. Mm-hmm. Let me offer to you two examples of, let's say, uh, successful cricketers who are effectively T20 mercenaries and are on the other side of the, on on let's say, on the contrasting sides of the cricketing career spectrum. So what I mean is, let's take the example of Dreras, who's sort of in the you know purple patch of his career and in the middle of his career, if I may say that. Look. I don't think his knee can take a 50 or a game if not a 5 day forget a 5 day right okay. so for this guy i would say when you look at it you still see that you know he is able to carve a career successful as a mercenary but the other example that i would like to offer is probably a bit more interesting it's a certain dale stein okay his career had nearly come to an end because he had to undergo multiple shoulder surgeries and his effectiveness as a test match bowler he himself acknowledged was probably at an end but as of last year from 2019 he was still a very valuable commodity in the t20 circuit he okay. managed to earn big bucks both in ipl i think his uh, presence in ipl was sort of curtailed mm. but i think he had a full almost a near full season for the mzansi uh, t20 league in south africa where he nearly led his team to the trophy there right Okay. This is this is an example where a person who is really nuanced and skilled and has enough experience can use it. I uh, from what I remember Dale Stein doesn't bowl anymore in the 140s but 130 late 130s right. And that's enough of a pace to keep you interested as a batsman and of course his nuance his skill that can't be discounted. So uh, who knows at 28 Muhammad Amir if he's careful with his body and his workload management he could have a 10 year career. as a, a t20 mercenary I, i probably we should refrain from using the word mercenary but a t20 uh, journeyman cricketer right what do you think then okay dreras is not just a bowler he is also a batsman agreed and a very good batsman at that he is a very good striker of the cricket ball i don't uh-huh. think amir has such batting talent uh, that's not one thing that we have seen it agreed not that we have seen it at least should, it should have been already apparent and it is not let's be honest mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so uh that's one point and the second point is being a faster bowler mohammad amir used to bowl 140 plus when he burst out onto the scene and if you compare his speeds uh, the speeds that he bowled at during the last year's world cup um that was in at best i think it was mid 130s not more i would say and so mm-hmm. his effectiveness in terms of pace is not there and he was he did not pick up a lot of wickets during last year's world cup which was supposed to be you know friendly for um uh, bowlers uh, especially fast bowlers and he has had some stint in uh, english uh, county scene as well and right. uh, now coming to the point of dale stein mm-hmm. dale stein uh i think it is a bit of a travesty to compare dale stein with uh, <laughs> mohammad amir somebody right. who has played 90 odd test matches who has picked up 430 odd wickets mm-hmm. at uh, an average of under 20 i think 24 something like that Right. He was their main strike bowler. Him and Morna Morkel, but Dale Stein was the spear of that mm-hmm. uh, fantastic South African Test side. He had his, you know, peak, and then there was also a drop, and that is expected for every fast bowler. So he has served his country so much, and he has so much experience. He's far more skilled than Mohammad Amir. So I don't think it it it, it is even fair to compare him with uh, Mohammad Amir. secondly uh, his uh, he was a valuable asset i remember uh, he mm-hmm. went for a very good price at ipl and all these uh, t20 uh, uh, leagues 
but his effectiveness as a t20 bowler i think it has reduced he may have done well at mazansi league uh, in south africa that may mm-hmm. just be a flash in the pan i don't think it's he will probably retire from all forms of cricket in one or two years and i don't think he, we will see him play enough he has done already he has done enough damage to all the batsmen in the world uh, <laughs> but it's it's really unfortunate that you know somebody like dale stein had to undergo so many surgeries uh, to take care of his body and all that but i think mohammad amir is n- not in the league of dale stein let's not uh, draw that uh, <laughs> well, negative comparison you have you have very valid points but i'm only saying um whatever made amir lose that pace maybe there's a chance he can re- reclaim it and definitely when it comes to dale stein look he was probably the fastest bowler of our generation right the mm-hmm. cricket we watched like so yeah probably it was a bit of a hyperbole to compare the two but at least what i mean is um, there is a chance for somebody to carve a career yet right that was an example that was one of what i wanted to say and clearly mohammad amir can't bat in the same way as a certain dreras would right so yeah your your point stands there as well probably in that case you could compare the batting of amir with uh, dale stein in this case uh, it's a longer discussion so as right. things stand I think you've made a point, but I don't think my points were entirely wrong. I, yeah. I never said that. Mm-hmm. I never said that. Mohammad mm-hmm. Amir could become the greatest, could still become the greatest T20 uh, bowler, mercenary bowler. Mm-hmm. And I could be proved wrong. That's fine. It's good. When a fast bowler does well, I feel really happy. Let's, let's mm-hmm. move on to the next topic. Well, before we close this topic, I would only say Naseem Shah, right? the youngest uh, hat trick taker and the youngest 54 taker in international cricket has been awarded awarded a category c contract as well right so that's very 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 uh, promising also mohammad hasnain and haris rauf the two other fast bowlers who made a breakthrough last season with pakistan cricket have been have been given emerging contracts and of course shaheen shah afridi who's i think if managed well has a 10 year career ahead of him has been promoted to category a so all of these are wonderful wonderful updates as far as you know fast bowling news is concerned giri yeah world beware there are new pacers on the way right well speaking of pacers on the way out if i may say uh, bangladesh bowling coach otis gibson has actually urged that mashrafi murtaza the member of parliament honorable member of parliament from bangladesh to retire from international cricket as um he doesn't really see the bowler in the head coach plan for the t2023 world cup right so mashrafi murtaza has actually retired uh, has stepped down from captaincy he's retired from t20s and tests for sure he's only let's say uh, odi bowler as far as bangladesh are concerned but it looks like he's been nudged he's been given a unsubtle hint now if i were to tell you some of the names of cricket teams would you be able to guess which tournament they belong to giri botanic gardens rangers grenadines divers salt pond breakers lasufrier hikers dark view explorers and fort charlotte strikers one of them had a caribbean ring to it grenadian something nicely done it's called the vinci premier league a franchise based tournament tournament that's expected to kick off in the grenadines which is uh, st vincent and grenadines there are the two islands in caribbean and they are supposed to kick off from may 22nd under quarantine law or under quarantine conditions mm-hmm. so you have kesrick williams sunil ambris obed mccoy who are uh, irregulars with uh, west indian team let me put it like this they are among the people who have been chosen as marquee players among all of these teams mm-hmm. so 
some some names are very very useful here salt pond breakers and la souffrier hikers so i would i would like to follow them if possible and well at, as things stand i would watch any live cricket so <laughs> i'm going to now go look for any channel any online avenue that might show this live and i might actually go follow it yeah. uh, for example caribbean um, cricket is shown live on um, west indies uh, live cricket site so it's called windyscricket.com there they usually live stream their uh, first class matches so when i have some time i just let it play in the background and listen to the uh, lovely commentary in that accent right so uh, if they were to you know broadcast this i would very happily watch it kiri yeah funny you should say that that's what i've been mm-hmm. doing i've been watching some uh, cricket and some sports on uh, youtube these days Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things i did was i watched uh, curtly ambrose spell recently wow. i watched yesterday and the other thing i have also been doing is uh, watching a lot of federer action lots and lots wow. of federer uh, videos some of his famous victories at wimbledon and australian open and mm-hmm. especially i think the shanghai masters where he outclassed nadal uh, in a very one sided uh, uh, match was one of the best displays of attacking tennis you will ever see you know that divine uh, sort of tennis that uh, federer plays well i mean that's that's another sublime sublime uh, individual sublime sports person in our generation right yeah. we were all lucky you should say to yeah. have witnessed uh, him play live yeah i was i was doubly lucky to have seen him live in rotterdam open 2014 15 mm-hmm. if i remember right man his poetry in motion this yeah. this is uh, this is a long discussion we can have yeah. another time but yeah that that guy i've seen nadal live i've seen him live and there's a huge difference there's a huge difference and it's quite something both are equally captivating to watch but federer sort of fills your heart with joy it's like listening to a ghazal from mehdi hasan or somebody so i can't quite explain it well said well said indeed indeed so which which spell from curtly ambrose do you mean that spell on perth pitch where they hustled australia to a low score and won in perth 1993 the the one where he was animated uh, against a certain uh, batsman you remember that episode arm band issue oh yeah there may have been half a bottle of whiskey involved at lunch time we don't know we don't know there was it really or something else something stronger maybe half a bottle of whiskey at lunch time cricket oh, lunch time okay yeah 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 so well whatever it might be but nonetheless these these stories are enduring and they will stay forever so it's fantastic well um speaking of on a slightly uh, diminished note rob key the former england international uh, was hospitalized after suffering a mini stroke this weekend and uh, it's good to hear that he's uh, recovered enough to be sent home and uh, basically been told to rest and uh, uh, take it easy for a few days so i think he played um, 15 tests for england and uh, um, it was one of those cricketers we felt did not completely fulfill his potential at the highest level the famous rahul dravid who played with uh, rob key uh, back i think in the late 90s uh, mm-hmm. when rahul dravid played at kent uh, right. i think rahul dravid was in awe of him he always kept saying he's one of the most talented guys and dravid i think he also said that he would one day play for england he did rob key like you said mm-hmm. but not long enough uh, i think the potential was there but it uh, never came to fruition unfortunately mm-hmm. for him Uh, but he has carved out a, a career in media now he's a well known commentator on uh, sky sports uh, yeah in indeed so he's a very good analyst i like his commentary he's very nice mm-hmm. uh, and i also read the news that he is recovering now so we wish him all the best uh, for a speedy recovery and we hope to hear his voice again in the commentary 
you know um, just to make a point indeed he was doing uh, watch alongs of uh, you know classic cricket matches mm-hmm. on sky sports that was what he was doing when he uh, suffered this small uh, stroke and we really wish him all the best right going forward but you know just as a comparison uh, we always say ian bell could have done a lot more mm-hmm. but ian bell was probably in the same category as a rob key or a graeme hick right mm-hmm. I, i was just looking at the th- careers of these three men and um one of those people who was sublime in his stroke play and uh, he was so pretty when he was driving through the v or through covers right ian bell but he was able to carve a 118 test career where he won multiple ashes for sure and 2200s and an average of 42 i think he was let's say a fulfillment of one of those cases where uh, if you were to think of what rob key was could have achieved right we always don't give enough credit for somebody like ian bell because when you're an artist like that mm. it's tough for you to probably perform at the same way for a longer period that's why we say somebody like uh, roger federer is miles apart as a sports person absolutely that mental fortitude that you have to marry with that class with that artfulness with whatever you do that single handed backhand will probably i can close my sense of watch it now right <laughs> so uh, when you have to marry that uh, ruthlessness that is required you see only ruthlessness when you witness somebody like nadal there is not a lot of artistry in his play it's just guts and ruthlessness but when you look slightly be, uh, be you know beneath the surface of what roger federer is it's just pure ruthlessness as well and somebody like uh, ian bell found it enough in his you know in his temperament to get through that and uh, playing 118 tests is not something insignificant so mm. just just a comparison of the points that we were making previously as well moving on uh, to the trivia section let's discuss another silken classy player who you know added a lot of substance to that a certain sangakkara who's now the mcc president right so the question was um, before sangakkara who was the last president of the mcc to have held the post for multiple years consecutively so giri what would you guess is the answer i know the answer because i've read it <laughs> oh, i'll let you uh, spell it out well it's a certain ar lewis who held, you know held the post from 1998 to 2000 so two consecutive seasons so since then it's always been and traditionally it's always been a one year appointment so there are exceptional circumstances like the one that we are currently going through mm-hmm. and sangakkara is the current holder of the presidency of the mcc and as a result it makes sense that somebody like him be continued for another year for sure and uh, as we say it's he's a real credit to cricket and uh, his diplomacy is very very well spoken of uh, moving on to the trivia question from this episode so this is this is a left field question it came to me when i was looking at some other stats right recently there was this article in one of the famous cricketing sites where they were discussing runouts and how many runouts a cricketer has been involved in during his career and so on so there i came up with this question or i was able to think of this question who is the only player to have played over 100 tests and never been run out can you imagine that's a fantastic fantastic record to carry through your career and then retire never being run out in a test and having played 100 tests so that's the question if you know the answer to this question or if you would like to make a guess do write in to us uh, if you want to use twitter you could uh, write in at, at @armchairreport mail gmail it's um, armchair.cricket@gmail.com you could also leave it as a comment on any of the podcasting apps you used to listen to our podcast there's a list of those in our you know episode notes always if you do please leave a comment 
if we don't if you don't follow up on this please let us know because we would really like to acknowledge any effort that's been made in trying to find an answer this is not an easy question so if you have any such thoughts about cricket do get in touch with us we can always have a chat about it and you know uh, we really hope international cricket resumes at least you know even uh, winsy cricket league starts off and i'm very very desperate to start watching it again right so uh, well having said all that it's a goodbye from me and it's a goodbye from him bye bye you're listening to the armchair cricket podcast